Hello, my precious friends. I'm so grateful that we can be together this way, and I look forward to the day when we can be together in person. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a rich, rich chapter. And today, we're going to look at what does it mean that in Adam all die? What does in Adam all die mean? Now let's review and remember where we are in the chapter. Paul began by giving us firm evidences of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Corinthians accepted that fact, but they were having doubts and confusion about the resurrection of all believers. And so Paul has said to them, resurrection is true because Jesus has been raised. If Jesus has been raised, then resurrection is a fact. He was the first fruits and others will be raised. And so as, we, uh, as Paul addresses those doubts, I want you to begin looking in verse 20 of chapter 15, where he says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep or those who have died. Now, in our last session together, we saw that uh, as the first fruits, Christ was the first of the resurrection harvest that is to come. Uh, believers in Christ who have died physically will be raised the way Christ was raised uh, with a bodily resurrection like Christ. We will have a body like His. We'll talk about that more another day. But Christ was first and more is coming. And this is a permanent resurrection. When a believer dies physically, his or her spirit immediately is present with the Lord. But the physical body remains and it awaits the resurrection. So the spirit of the person is with the Lord. The physical body is what the Bible calls asleep because it's waiting. We know that it is decomposing, but the day will come when Christ will come and that body will be recomposed, called out of the ground and reunited with the spirit. And that will be the glorified body of the believer that will be an eternal body. So the first fruits of the harvest are from the same crop. So Christ is called the first fruits because he is showing us in his resurrection what that's going to be like. We can get a lot of information from that. The resurrection of believers will be like the resurrection of Christ. We are of the same crop. Now, Paul goes on to explain how the great truths of Christ's resurrection apply to us. Let me get you to look with me now in verse 21. I will begin in verse 20. Uh, to just get the continuity. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. By a man came death, by a man came the resurrection of the dead. In Adam, all die. In Christ, all shall be made alive. So you've got a contrast here. Adam 
and Christ. The first Adam, the second Adam. The first Adam, the replacement of the first Adam, which is Christ. Now, what does in Adam all die mean? Now, let's do a little bit of Bible work here. Would you turn with me to the book of Genesis? I'm going to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him, male and female, he created them. So God created man after his likeness in his own image. Look now in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. What tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now look in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. When the woman, Eve, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her and he ate. What did they do? They went their own way instead of God's way. Instead of doing what God said, they did what they thought was a good thing that they would wanted to do that, so they did. So they have sinned. Man and woman have sinned. And um, turn to Genesis chapter 5 now in verse 3, and let me show you something. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness. He became a father of a son in his own likeness, according to his own image, and named him Seth. Now, look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Paul tells us, Therefore, just as one man, Adam, just as through one man, just as through Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul said, what in Adam all die? Adam was the progenitor of everyone who dies. Every person who has been born, every person who has been physically born is subject to death 
because of Adam's sinful act. And after that sinful act, we have inherited the likeness of Adam. And every human being is a descendant of Adam. Now, this is another lesson for another day, but let me just get you to think about this. This is why the doctrine of creation is so important. This is why the enemy does not want you to believe in creation. God created Adam. Adam fell, reproduced in his own likeness. And we have been inheriting that sin nature, that likeness from Adam ever since then. Now, let's take a side trip and talk for just a minute. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 for a minute. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became, the King James says, a living soul. This New American Standard Bible says became a living being. Mankind is made up of body, soul, and spirit. We're what is called a tripartite being. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul said, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, that's the body, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you can imagine a rectangle or you can imagine three concentric circles. What you see on the outside, that outer circle, is my body, is my body. Inside my body is my soul. What is a soul? It's our mind, will, and emotion. But somewhere then, tucked deeper in there, is my spirit. I have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Or if you want to do it as a triangle, you've got spirit, soul, body. And you could say mind, will, and emotions right here where soul is. And so God said to Adam, you shall surely die. If you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Well, he didn't die right then. He didn't die physically. His soul didn't die. His mind didn't die. His uh, will didn't die. His emotions didn't die. What died? Adam died in his spirit. And his spirit became dead. And every person who has been born since Adam has been born like that, with a dead spirit. Two-thirds of a person. We have body. We have soul, but that spirit is dead. And so when, we, when he died in his spirit, he became separated from the tree of life. God put him out of the garden so that they would not eat of the tree of life and live forever in that sinful state. So God just didn't give him access to that tree of life. So he put them out of the garden. And so... Um, 
He was separated then when he died in his spirit, he was separated from union with God. He didn't have an awareness of who God really was. He didn't have a union with God because remember when God went walking in the garden and, and was looking for him and God said, where are you? And, and he said, we're afraid. You need to cover us up. We've got to be covered. So all of a sudden, everything changed because he died in his spirit. Now hear me again. We're born that way. We're born that way. The apostle John tells us about a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That means he was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. That means he knew the Old Testament. He knew the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He knew that. And so he was curious because he could see something different about Jesus. And so he went to Jesus at night in secret to just ask him some questions. He just needed to meet with him and settle his mind. He is seeking. And so he recognized and said that he recognized that Jesus was a divine teacher, a teacher from God. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus said, this is my translation, how in the world can that be? How can a man be born again a second time? Can he go back in his mother's womb? No, no, no. Jesus said, I'll tell you how. And Jesus took him to scripture that he knew. He took him to the Pentateuch. Go with me to Numbers chapter 21, because Jesus used this scripture to answer him when he said, how can that happen? Numbers 21 verses five through nine. Now, when we get here, Israel is at the end of the wilderness wanderings and they were impatient and they were weary. They were done. And so here's what Jesus, here's what God had said to them. Numbers 21, beginning in verse five. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and water, and we loathe this miserable food. We are tired of this. So they're complaining about manna. Verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. Make you think twice about complaining about your food, won't it? Verse seven, so the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, we have sinned, we messed up because we have spoken against the Lord and you. So they recognize their sin and they want to deal with it. Intercede with the Lord, Moses, that he may reprove, remove, I'm sorry, that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. And then the Lord said to Moses, here's what you do. You make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, set it on a pole. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. Just look at it. Know that you're bitten. Look at it. 
And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, the pole. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now hold that in your mind and turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. This is where uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he's having this conversation and Nicodemus in verse 9 is still saying, how can these things be? And verse 14, Jesus tells Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in, looks to him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him, he who has looked to him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. For as in Adam all die, also in Christ shall all be made alive. Do it again, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. So then... As through one transgression, one sin, Adam's sin, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, Christ's death on the cross, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as though one man's, as through one... For as through the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, us, even through the obedience of the one Christ, the many will be made righteous. Adam was the progenitor of everyone who dies. Christ is the progenitor of everyone who will be raised to life. One man doing one act caused the consequences of that act to be applied to every other person identified with him. We are born identified with Adam. Every person who has ever been born is identified with Adam. We are like Adam, 
born dead in our spirits. So how do I get out of that? How do I escape that identification with Adam? What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You have to be born again. You're not going to be born again a second time the same way you were the first time. This time, you're going to be born like you've not been born yet because I'm going to make your spirit alive. When that happens, I now am not just body and soul, the way people in Adam wander around the earth. Now I am body, soul, and spirit. I become what God created us to be, whole, complete. And so um, in Adam is simply to be human, to have been born once. When I am born into Christ, I have been born twice. There was a Christmas song we sang a couple of years ago. I don't remember the name of the song, don't remember the whole thing, but the line sticks with me. He was born once, Jesus was born once, so that we could be born again. He was born once so that we could be born twice. And that's the way it happens. In Christ is to be born again. Now let me get you to just look around the corner with me here in 1 Corinthians 15 at verse 45. And we'll be at this again another day. But verse 45 of 1 Corinthians 15, So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. What you want? You just want a soul? Or do you want a spirit that is alive? Back to Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. Read it again. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. That word justified, when you're justified in Christ, it means you're declared not guilty. You're justified. Verse 19, for as through the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, capital O, Christ, the many will be made righteous. So you see, Adam and Christ stand in contrast to one another. In Adam, we are flesh. In Christ, we are spirit. He makes us alive in our spirit. So when I'm saved, I am spiritually resurrected. When I'm dead in my spirit and Christ speaks life, when he comes to enter my spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells there, my spirit is resurrected. My spirit is resurrected. At a certain moment in time when I come to Christ and say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I know you are the only Savior. I know that you were raised from the dead 
would you come live in me? At that certain moment in time, I am taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. So now all the Adam stuff is gone. The condemnation is gone. Not there. We're changed because now our spirit is alive. And now that spirit can be quickened to what God says and what God's want. God wants. It's that spirit then that is going to feel convicted when we sin. It is that spirit that is going to make us want to keep that connection with God. It is that Holy Spirit living in us. And so my spiritual resurrection that has already taken place positions me for a bodily resurrection in the future so that when I die physically, my spirit will be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. My body will be put in the ground. And when Jesus comes back to earth for the resurrection, he's going to bring the spirits with him and reunite them with bodies. And thus we will have our glorified body, and be ever with the Lord. I am made alive in Christ. I am born again, and eternal life with Christ is my future. I am a natural descendant of Adam. I was born dead in my spirit. I was born a sinner. Having inherited his sin, I die. My spirit dies. My body dies. I don't ever get to be with the Lord. By faith, but faith in Christ overrules that. Faith in Christ makes me born again. I become a supernatural descendant of Christ. I become in Christ. I'm alive in my spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I inherit the righteousness of Christ. He puts his perfect righteousness to my account. My sin debt is paid in full because Christ paid the debt. So through Adam's sin, we died spiritually and we became subject to death bodily and eternal death apart from Christ. Through Christ, we are given life spiritually and will be raised bodily like Christ. But our spirits go on to be with the Lord. They've already been raised at salvation. The body waits. Maybe you want to write this down. Your present situation is not your final destination. That'd be a good song for somebody can write. You can do a little jazz. Your present situation's not your final destination. That's true of everybody. And we'll look at the rest of it another time. But here, here's what I want you to understand. So many people think salvation is about being good or bad. Salvation is about being dead or alive. You can be good and be dead. You can be alive and do some bad things. It's not about goodness and badness. It's about being dead or alive. And without Christ, without that spirit being alive, there's a yearning in us that wants something we don't have. 
And we want to sometimes find it in things that we buy or careers that we have or reliving our lives through our children, all kinds of things. We try to find that satisfaction, but nothing will ever be enough because nothing can ever enter your spirit and fill it except for the Holy Spirit, which is given by the resurrection of Christ. Only Christ's presence can fill that void. Void. Sometimes it may take a series of steps. Sometimes people don't get this all at once. That's a lot of stuff for all at once. And so sometimes it just takes a series of steps to come to Christ. Maybe it starts with a question like Nicodemus. Maybe it just starts with an interview. But you know what? Take that one step. Just take that step and step after step. And God is going to lead you, if you are genuinely searching, God is going to lead you from darkness into light. He's going to lead you from death to life. And it's all because of what Christ has done. We can add nothing to it, and we can't take anything from it. It is Christ and Christ alone. And we buy into that, we bow to that, and we're saved. So today, what did he say? But now has Christ been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man Adam came death, by a man Christ also came the resurrection of the dead. He's the first fruit. He already did it. And he positioned himself then to send the Holy Spirit to put his Holy Spirit in our dead spirits. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. All who are in Christ will be made alive. Where are you today? Are you still in Adam? Or are you in Christ? Have you come to Christ by faith in Him and Him alone? Do you know that you who once were dead have now been made alive? Now, Paul goes on, and next week we're going to answer the question, who will rise first? What is the order of the resurrection? How is this going to take place? Are lost people raised is a question that we will answer as we go on through 1 Corinthians 15. Let's pray together. Father, would you make this truth real in our hearts? Help us to understand it in our minds and our souls and our spirits and let our bodies walk accordingly. Help us to bow before you, praising you for the great and glorious gift that you have given us in giving us Christ, who saves us, keeps us, protects us, provides for us, carries us, and who waits for us to come and to live in His presence. I'm so grateful to be able to open your word. Thank you for this privilege. Amen.